0: Hello and welcome to Show and Tell, the podcast series from the RPG Academy, where we bring on a guest, or guests, and we talk about something cool. Today's guests are Tim and Barker from Absolute Tabletop. Uh, You probably remember Tim from some earlier episodes where him and his brother destroyed our Choose Your Own Adventure game. Uh, We have never (laughs) been able to follow up from that, so it has just stopped. They've also been big supporters of uh, Catacon, helping us out with some free stuff for people who jump into the Kickstarter. And they were recently featured on a Geek and Sundry article on um, one of your, your, your homebrew world was like one of the best ones to jump into. Yes.
1: So, Tim, Barker, welcome back to the show. Thanks, man. It is great to be back. I did not
0: know that you guys retired the Choose Your Own Adventure. <laughs> yeah, we literally, after that was over, we're like, how do we do what? Uh, And so we've (laughs) never touched it again because we're like, I don't know. I don't know how to go back from that. You guys destroyed it in in a good way. I'm not upset. You guys just destroyed it to the point where like, I don't know what to do now.
2: (laughs) That's what happens when you have tabletop terrors on your show. That's what happens.
0: Yeah, man. It was good. It was good stuff, though. Thanks, man. Awesome. So I said, welcome back to the show, Barker." But this is actually the first time you have been here. So, Tim, so what do you do for Absolute Tabletop? And then we'll go to Barker. What do you do for Absolute Tabletop?
1: Oh, for sure. So I think if I had to choose one role, I would say I'm uh, kind of the art director, whereas everyone at the company, we act kind of like a band more than anything else, where we all have direct creative input. And a lot of times we'll make sure we have full buy-in from everyone before we move forward. But I would say if I had one main thing, I work with the artists, to make sure that the art is cohesive and matches the vision of each project. And then I also do Photoshop work myself, uh, designing elements and logos and things like that. So that would be kind of my main thing. And then I also do some writing. All right. And then
0: Barker, how would you describe what you do?
2: I would say same thing uh as Tim except for he comes up with all the ideas and I will take credit for them. That's my number one. <laughs> hey, that's
0: job my job at Absolute over here.
2: T- <laughs> now I uh you know we all do a lot of writing and you know my thing is the Be a Better Game Master supplement line at Absolute Tabletop. It's this kind of more system agnostic, inspirational GM oriented type of supplements. And that's kind of where I draw my creativity and input myself into the AbTab work is through uh, the system agnostic, fun, flavorful stuff in in that writing.
1: I was just going to say one of the things that Barker does as well that he didn't mention that I'm so happy and I speak for all the rest of Absolute Tabletop when I say we're glad he does it is he takes care of all of our books and budgeting and financial stuff, which... I just, I want to be the guy who draws and does art and writes. And so he is awesome to take care of all of that every single month. And so that is also a huge role that he plays is making sure that we're all adults who pay our bills. <laughs>
2: I hope my mother doesn't listen to this because then she'll know I have become her. So that's really important to me.
0: <laughs> so if people want to check out uh, sort of the, the whole of what you guys do, uh, where should they go?
1: Is that com. Yeah, I'd say com is the best place to start. And if you are interested in getting a free sample of Barker's uh, latest release, it's called Be a Better Campaign Master, Book One, Building the World. There's a free sample. Now, you have to sign up for an account on our website. That's just because it's the only way we know how to deliver PDFs to people. But it's free, free sample. Go get a copy, and you can see exactly what Barker's talking about. I think that's a fantastic place to start.
0: Now, specifically, the reason we want to have you guys on today for today's show is you are currently running a Kickstarter. From what I understand, this is your first foray into the Kickstarter Mm -hmm. world. And it is for Oath of the Frozen King, an adventure kit. So it's not actually a module. And we're going to get into what that means in a little bit. But as of this recording, you guys are at 4,703%. So this tells me one of two things. One, there was a lot more excitement about this project than you anticipated. Or two, you suck at setting goals.
2: The the answer is yes. (laughs) The answer is is yes. The answer is
0: yes. (laughs) No, so clearly this guy, this has been probably above and beyond your expectations. It seems like it's a very cool thing. I think that's why there has been so much response to it. Hopefully there's some people that are listening right now who maybe haven't heard of this yet. There's going to be a really short window. By the time you're listening to this, there's probably only a day or two left before the Kickstarter will be over. So please hit the link in the show notes, go over, just go to Kickstarter, search Oath of the Frozen King, and it'll come up. Uh, So I'll start with you, Tim. What is Oath of the Frozen King?
1: Oath of the Frozen King is something that we're calling an adventure kit. And what an adventure kit is, it's everything you need and nothing that you don't. To run an adventure. And if I had to use kind of the marketing, kind of sales pitchy thing that we're saying around here, it's game preparation at the speed of your imagination. And so, at a high level, I think that this is like a model kit. And I think Barker put it best when he said, You take inspirational glue and you put these pieces together. So it's not just, Here's a module, read it, learn it. It's, Here go the pieces. How are you going to put it together? What locations? What NPCs? What plot hooks from the quest generator? And so it's a limitless, modular module.
0: Okay. So what I'm hearing is it's it's sort of like buying some Legos, where you can pretty much make whatever you want out of it, but there might be a picture on the box that's like, this is kind of what we thought it might look like at the end, but feel free to go wild. Exactly.
2: Dude, you should it's, why didn't you tell us to, that like three weeks ago? That's a brilliant pitch,
0: man. <laughs> that oh. is a brilliant pitch. No, I no, I like preparation at the speed of imagination. That's catchy. You might want to TM that. <laughs> we are working on it. We're we're working on it. <laughs> so so let's take a let's take a step back. And again, this isn't to deride anything else, but to make sure that I understand, the audience understands. I go out and buy a, a traditional module from any other publisher on the market. It's going to say this is for this particular game, probably D&D or Pathfinder. It's for these level of characters, and it's going to give you a beginning, a middle, and an end. There might be some other p- places in the middle, you know, where you can expand or go off. But for the most part, that's what you're getting into with a module. So how is this different? I'm going to use the word better, but again, I'm not deriding what that is. But how is this better than me just going and buying a module? Why is why should I go to this versus something else?
2: So I'm going to jump in here, and, and there Well, and there are a lot of different answers to the question, and I'll just give one and then maybe I'll throw it back to Tim and he'll give another. But uh, uh, the first one that I think is super important to me is that it is written around this 5e OGL framework, but I cannot stress enough that this is system agnostic. This is inspirational system agnostic stuff that even though it was written around 5e, I plan on running The Wish of the Winter Weasel, a mouse guard game in The Oath of the Frozen King, using The Oath of the Frozen King adventure kit. So you can really take it and apply it to any setting. We've heard about people uh, swapping the ice out and making it kind of like a a desert setting. We've heard about people trying to, you know, go into a a cyberpunk setting Type of uh, game with the adventure kit it's all that when tim says everything you need and nothing you don't it's kind of like this balance between a module and if you think of a module now these are thick hardcover books lots of stuff in them and prep notes which are super light only i know what they mean etc and it's kind of like finding that balance in the middle and you can do it with any game and i that's the thing that i that sold me on it is that you can really use it for any system, any setting that you want.
0: All right. So, Tim, is there anything you would add to that? No, I think he nailed it. <laughs> okay. So, I, I'm a game master. I, I have a little bit of experience, but I'm, I may not be the most experienced in the world. And I'm going to get an adventure kit, whether it's Oath of the Frozen King or something else you guys are working on. Where do I start? Is it just sort of like an outline of, you know, this is sort of what's been going on in the world. This is sort of where the PCs will enter. This is kind of what we think you might do in the middle. And this is probably where we'll wrap up. Is it, is it broad strokes like that? Or do you have like modular encounters where it's like, hey, if you want to combat, here's one. If you want a social encounter, here's one. Like how do the pieces fit together?
1: That's a great question. And it's it's a yes and <laughs> sort of thing. like I, I'm all about that. Yes and. It's how I run the game. It, it's right. Exactly. <laughs> so it's yes and. And so... I'm going to give you the cop-out answer first, and then I'll give you some meat behind it. (laughs) The cop-out answer is we've had people who we have given the playtest to say that they don't know how they can stop coming up with ideas. So they'll turn to the combat section, and then all of a sudden an adventure springs out of just the encounter that's combat. Or they'll go to the NPCs, and they'll see some of the motives or the NPCs' secrets table. And then, you know, that DM brain starts kind of brewing and you're like, oh, this can be the, the squire from two months ago and that kind of stuff. So the non-answer, the, the kind of cop-out answer is you can start anywhere because every place is so rich. Even our buddy WASD20 Nate over there, he was running a playtest of it, The Oath of the Frozen King. And he goes, man, I, I, I keep kind of going way off and coming up with my own stuff. And is that okay? Because I want to show the playtest. We were like, Nate, that's so okay, because it (laughs) proves that this book has unlimited mileage, right? The real answer that I think a lot of people will be happy to see is that the very beginning of the book starts out with an adventure overview. The difference between a module and this is that in a module, you sort of got to read the whole thing. This is just, here's the conflict. This is what's going on around you. Choose to involve yourself or not. Here are some things that might happen. Some factions that have motives or whatever. And then, here are some twists. Maybe the Frozen King was a benevolent leader. So just, you can use any of that stuff if you want. All capped off with the quest generator. And the quest generator is one of my favorite things, because it has a quest giver, a quest, and then a complication. So if you run it, it's going to be totally different than the one I run, where the clergy gives me... This assassination attempt and the, you know, the complication is that it's a family member of someone we know. It's going to be different every time.
0: All right. So one of the things that I think of with a module. That and, and I've anyone who listens to the show for a while will know that I am I am not a fan of running module adventures mostly mm-hmm. because I suck at it.
2: Dude, right there with you.
0: <laughs> be, partly because I become beholden to what it says, and if I'm trying to improvise and. Like, you know, someone says, okay, what's the name of the bartender? Rather than just making something up, I'm like, hold on, flip, 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 flip. Oh, okay, the barkeep's (laughs) name is Sam. Like, I won't just make up a name, even though it doesn't matter, because I'm afraid I'll use Sam when I'm not supposed to, and then there's a different NPC that is named Sam, and now I'm going to have to remember that I changed them, and it just gets me confused. So it sounds to me like one of the selling points of what you're talking about here is that I'm not necessarily going to be having that book with me when I'm running. It's more like when I'm prepping for the session, I use it as inspiration, but I don't necessarily have it like reading sections when I'm running the game. Am I on or off base there, Barker?
2: You are. You really don't have to. That's the thing is, you know, there are DMs out there who say, listen, I like to take 10 hours to prep my game. You can do that with this. That's that's absolutely possible. And easily possible. But there are people sometimes like me who say, I'm going to, I want to run a game in 10 minutes. Do I have three people in the absolute tabletop Facebook group that want to join in? And then maybe, you know, someone will jump in or we'll start a quick game and you can also run the game like that because it's kind of almost exactly like what you described, but without all the flip, 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 flip that you were talking about. Uh, (laughs) You know, you asked about encounters earlier and, you know, some more meat for the answer is that our encounters in this adventure kit or in any future adventure kit, presumably are a, a, an encounter overview Um with a description of the enemies, uh, and a, if it's a, a combat encounter type, but it might be a role play encounter type. And then you have some useful bullets underneath it that say, hey, listen, there are, there are boulders rolling around here, so that's going to be a hazard. Okay, maybe the ice is too thin and it's going to cave in and there's going to be a massive chasm underneath you. Or maybe there's this old ancient undead NPC here who's who can help you if you offer him the right thing. And then here's some examples of what you might be able to offer. And here's some examples of what this NPC can do for you should you succeed. And it's all in this one page. It's all easy to grab and run with. Uh, and, and that to me is, again, another kind of highlight of that. Because I, like you, don't like modules. I, I, I love buying them and I love reading through them. But it always seems to me that one quarter of the way through, I just got to throw the module away because the players have done something completely different entirely. I'm never going to go back. And in this case, you don't really have to do that.
0: So I, uh, I did, we did an episode recently on modules because, again, I don't really run them very often. I haven't run them very often. And I decided to as, as sort of like a something for the podcast, you know, just see how it worked out. And what I came to realize is the only way that I can run a module effectively is to to prep the way I would as if I wasn't running the module. Uh-huh. Uh, and I have a particular method that I use using color-coded note cards where I have like connections between PCs and NPCs and locations. And, and rather than trying to use the book that way, I basically transpose that information from the book to my regular note system. But then that's a lot of extra work you know, I could have just made up stuff and not had to have done that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it's, again, it sounds like the, that's sort of what this is. Again, I know we've touched on it. But this is more like inspiration than a guideline that you have to follow. So my question now is the only thing that I, I guess my fear is one of the things that people tell newer newer DMs. Like I've never DM before. I watch Critical Role and I'm like, oh, my God, I want to play this now. So I grab up four friends and I have no freaking idea how to run a game modules are often designed where they're very handholdy and they kind of lead you through the adventure until again, until the players have done something stupid and now you have to throw the book away. Do you think uh, this adventure kit would be okay for someone who's never ran before? Or do you need a little bit of experience to really get your money's worth? Um, So one of the things that we intentionally did
1: was put some breakout boxes throughout the book to sort of remind you of the story points which I think would be really helpful for beginners. So as an example, if you go to, say for instance, the encounters, while you're kind of flipping through that, if you spent just a little bit of time in that beginning section, the adventure overview, there will be some reminders with some basic information that I think is usable tips for any game master. Things like which one of these encounter locations would be the most conflict driven for one of your players or is there an NPC whose beliefs would be at odds with one of your players right now? I think that would be really helpful for new players because they don't have the hangups of a lot of DMs who maybe, like me for a long time, weren't as collaborative as I could have been. And so for me, the reason why I love the Adventure Kit and I think it's super easy for people of any experience level is because it gives you just enough of that core conflict or that piece to inspire you so that it becomes a back and forth so it can sort of unfetter new players and just go hey sit down don't be afraid and just run this encounter and see what your players gravitate toward and then when they do and they mention oh well i think maybe the frozen king could be you know he could rise again and and perhaps he's exactly what this nation needs okay now maybe go back to the twist section and see if one of those works or maybe go to the toolbox in the back of the book and maybe pull in a, you know, an encounter out of that. So I think it could be useful for players of any skill level. Uh, what what do you think, Barks?
2: Uh, you know what? I I agree completely with that. And I think that uh, just a small addition is that learning the rules of a game system is hard enough. It, it, you shouldn't have to worry about coming up with a cool story too. and And that's kind of where this comes in in a lot of different ways is it allows you to use your creative mind because you are creative if you're listening to an RPG podcast you're creative you've realized it and and you want to run games and this you know an adventure kit will play off of your creativity it won't show you hey this is creative use this it will say hey let's work together let's let's meet in the middle here you know uh there's a there's a dais here with a bunch of scattered gold coins on the on the base of it and that's it. Now you have to decide what those coins are. Maybe what the faces are on them, you know, what what region of the world they come from and how much they're worth. These are they're just little things that you can grab and run with and not have to worry too much about while you're playing a a, a game system, many of which are I I mean I was reading a DMG, a Dungeon Master's guide in the airport and this guy next to me said is that a statistics textbook? And I just cracked up laughing. I couldn't stop. It was uh, some of these rule sets are incredibly difficult. So to worry about a story on top of that is just it's too much.
0: I, I think it's difficult to conceptualize what exactly this is without just keep can't com, keep comparing it to a, a regular module. And whether that's fair or foul, I just that's my brain keeps trying to figure out, OK, is it like this or not like this? And through disparate different aspects. So to kind of keep going along that line, you go out and you buy a module, we'll say for fifth edition, because that's kind of what this is written around to start. It says you're going to start with level one characters and you're going to end with level four characters. Is this an adventure because it's an adventure kit or is this like a campaign? Is it both? Where do you see people starting and stopping with this particular Oath of the Frozen King adventure kit?
1: First of all, I don't think it's foul to compare this to an adventure uh, or a module because this was birthed out of the fact that we didn't like running modules. And like you said, it's, it's not to disparage that in any way. Just one of our biggest mantras here at absolute tabletop is we make what we'd use. And this grew out of the fact that we wanted to run games more often, but just if I want to run two games in a week, I don't have four hours of prep for each one. So which one suffers? What if neither had to suffer? And so that's the first thing. The second thing is, This kit is designed using the bounded accuracy of 5th edition so that you could run it handily and quickly for any players of any level. And there is a quick guide in the back that lets you do that. Without getting too crunchy, if you know your 5e, you know that your bounded accuracy is basically just your proficiency bonus going up and then the monsters do more damage. Almost everything else kind of stays the same. Your armor classes stay roughly the same. Your hit points, depending on the challenge rating of the creature. So what did we do? Took the nuts and bolts of that, traps, all that stuff. So any mechanical stuff for 5e, which there is some, with a ton of inspiration surrounding it, it's turnkey. All you have to do is look at the box that says, okay, players level 1 through 4, now this monster should do about this much damage. And should have about roughly this many hit points, that kind of stuff. We've had people who have said, hey, I'm going to run a campaign out of this thing. Because there's so many different avenues you can take it. So I think it's kind of, again, the cheat answer, which is it's built to do whatever you want. I think the trouble is going to be deciding what you want to do with it.
2: Uh, the the meat the meat answer I would jump in and say one shot to trilogy if you're if you're gonna measure how long you're probably gonna take running this if you're if you know one shot to trilogy before the game explodes outwards and your characters go off in a different direction that's led or you know kind of inspired by the adventure kit but uh but yeah it blows my mind that people say campaign I'm like wow okay awesome
0: <laughs> so, so again clearly four thousand almost almost five thousand percent funded. Right now, there's 802 people that have already given you some money because they are excited about what this is, and I would say through our conversation, people are already in or they're out, like they're already they want to know more about it or they've already turned us off. So let's get into the Kickstarter specifically itself. How much is it going to cost me to check this out? What
1: do you what do you what do you want to do, Barker? How, do you want to go with? The one that we think they should do,
0: or do we want to just go through one by well, one? Well, what I always like to do for any Kickstarter, like if I'm personally interested, I say what's the cheapest way I can get in, what the most crazy thing that they have on the board, and then where I think I'm going to pledge. So we'll start with the lowest. Like what's the cheapest way I can get in and check this thing out? Barker's the money guy. I think this should be his.
2: <laughs> it's a You know, we actually went a similar route that Eli Kurtz did. He recently did a podcast with you about his uh, his Kickstarter. And yep. You know, uh, above a dollar, which we're super thankful, we have multiple people who have given us a buck, uh, and you get a link to a live stream that we're going to do, but above that, $10 gets you the PDF, which is going to include like a special edition thing at the back with kind of like some fun sketch art pieces and just different things uh, that we come across in the making of the Adventure Kit. Tons of inside jokes, which uh, we will think is funny, Um, but... (laughs) Above that, the next one up is $25 in which you get the physical copy of the book. Gotcha. We didn't l- want to add keychains and bottle openers and hats and stuff because, again, kind of like Eli Kurtz, it's it's a shipping nightmare that we were afraid of in our first Kickstarter. Um, and we're actually kind of prepping for a larger Kickstarter in the future. I'll let Tim talk about that later on. But the, uh, the idea is that we... The, the, any tier above that will give you everything Oath of the Frozen King and the rest of our supplements. You know, we threw in our PDFs in case people found us, didn't know who we are, and were interested in picking up the stuff that we had already made. So uh, we have a $25, a $35, and a $50 tier, and that's it. And uh, in terms of stretch goals, everything is going back into the supplement to make cool art, make this supplement beautiful. A cool We're going to have a cool isometric map created of the the frozen king's icy tomb and we're just we're excited to put just as much as we can back into this book
0: all right and so you mentioned uh, a while ago playtesting. so how much of this is done like you know like what's when is when are we going to see it actually produced once the kickstarter closes how how close is it to being done done Principal
1: writing i would say we're at about 80 percent eight zero percent as far as the guts of this thing so it, which honestly That's the bulk of what we do, I would say, because a lot of the other things are hurry up and wait. Like you send a description out to an artist and they have time. They have two, three weeks to, you know, put out a piece. And so 80% of this book is written and it'll get an edit pass. But from there we have the art coming in and then Matt and James, two of our uh, founding members who are not on this podcast currently, one being my brother who we've had on the show before. The other one is Matt from A Fistful of Dice on YouTube. They do our layout. And so they take great care to make sure that every book is the best quality it can possibly be. So we take the time to do that. I don't want to over-promise and under-deliver. I want to do the opposite. So if I had my way, we would be getting this book out to people, I, I hope, We'll be sending out copies by sometime in September, a month early. That's my goal. But that's only because we have a very stringent quality assurance process. In the same way that we we make what we'd use, we want you to use what we would use. And so what we do is after the book is finished, we do test copies, make sure that all of the layout looks beautiful in print. There are a lot of different steps to make sure that the quality is excellent. So... We hope to have this by September, but our promise was October. That's what we said on the Kickstarter. We hope to get it early, but again, it all depends on is the art coming in on time, which it usually does. Is the layout being done on time, which it usually is. So I think that that's probably a a pretty fair estimate. Barks, what do you say? Did I bust out the checkbook too hard there?
2: No, not at all. I was going to say, actually, uh, I was going to say 100% written before the stretch goals were released. You know, that was one of the things we came into this thinking. We don't want to get... uh, We don't want to be late in delivering. We don't want to have any issues helping that the people who give us their money, we want to give you the product as fast as possible and have it be as beautiful as possible. And and so we came to the table with an already basically completed product, more than a proof of of concept, and uh, we've run with it since. So I think 80 80 to 90% is a good number, but we've been kind of adding things since the stretch goals have, you know, the stretch goals, more locations. Okay, all right, well, we added more locations, more NPCs. All right, more NPCs. And as Tim said, we have the – well, he he didn't say this, but I know he knows this – we just – are so blessed to have the best artists I've ever seen in independent publisher, be able to be graced with people that, um, might have never drawn anything for any RPG company ever before until us. Uh, And, and they're amazing people from all across the world, Slovenia and the Philippines, all the way in the far north of Canada, you know, no, it's a, we have tons of people everywhere, drawing beautiful artwork for us and, that's the thing that we wanted to ensure that we were focusing on during the Kickstarter. Not writing, not editing. We just wanted to make sure that the book was gorgeous, beautiful, and we know we can deliver the content, but I can't draw at all. So we, uh, we're we very thankful to have wonderful artists with us.
0: So I'm looking at your campaign now, and you smashed through all your stretch goals. The last one that I see is for 20000 Are there going to be any more added, or is that pretty much done? Everything now is just going to go back into future projects or do you have like another stretch goal that might come out if we hit 30,000
2: we're thinking about dressing tim up and flying him out to each individual backers home and like i don't know singing a happy birthday or something
1: we're thinking that and then there was the the 3d version of the book but it's like holographic uh we're working with elon musk uh, on that <laughs> if we hit quarter mil um, well no, uh dumb absolute tabletop jokes aside you know, we we consciously are stopping because one of the things that we wanted to make sure is that this book stays lean and mean. If I tell you that it's everything you need and nothing that you don't, and then I add five and seven and 12 more NPCs, on paper, that seems cool. But at the table, I'd much rather give you six solid NPCs. And then this is actually a really good segue to go into something called the toolbox. But I'd rather give you the tools to generate your own NPC simply and leave the book very, very usable and make sure that it's still that small to medium-sized kind of flexible book you can bring, you know, to a Starbucks, fold it open, and write down your campaign notes without having to heft around this tome that's the size of Kingdoms of Calamar,
0: you know? No, and... Again, to be, to be clear, as someone who has ran a couple Kickstarters myself, though though for never for a product, there should be no shame. And I feel like sometimes there is. There should be no shame in doing better than you expected and then reaping the rewards of that. You know, if I go to, you know, I go to Walmart and I create a, a, a game or a toy and it sells a million copies, I don't. Necessarily have to go back and change that toy. I've just I've created something people want. They've bought it. They paid me. I made twenty seven cents per whatever it is. So th- so don't feel any shame of going. No, if we get to fifty thousand dollars, we've made twenty thousand dollars. Good for that's... you. You're living the dream, guys. You're doing what all the rest <laughs> of us slobs wish we were doing.
2: <laughs> that's so that's so difficult for for people like us. A lot of people don't know like we are four dudes who have full time jobs elsewhere have uh spouses or fiancés, families and we're, you know, this is still our our hobby in a lot of different ways and so this is definitely breaking new territory but uh we we like to bring that grassroots RPG supplement to the people. I don't know. That's going to be our new thing, right Tim? You're going to you're going to develop grass that.
1: Grassroots we're bringing it to the <laughs> yeah. people. We're bringing it. Well, and I just I want to say too uh, to that end, one of the things I and I can say this. I can tell you I have no shame in this. Any book that's made a profit, that's how we grow. That's how we pay these artists what they're worth. And that's how we make better books of better quality and higher page counts is, you know, we understand small measured growth. We understand that it's not about drawing a paycheck now. I mean, to make a better book, to make a a book that people look at and don't know that we're four dudes doing this in different parts of the United States as a side job. The way that you have to do it is you have to funnel that money in. So honestly, if we do, and like you said, if we do make 20 grand, I promise you, we're already plotting as to how we can make our first board game or our (laughs) first, like, what is this seed money for? Not like, hey, all right, you know, got myself this brand new flame retardant yacht. It's like, (laughs) no, what is the next absolute tabletop product that we couldn't make otherwise that we would use and hopefully other people will like, if that makes sense.
0: No, again, absolutely. I, Again, I just want to make sure that you guys understand that you don't have to feel embarrassed by making money. You, if you've created a project that people want to pay you for and you deliver what you promised, more power to you, brother. I love you. It's good advice, man. I love you. I, I love, love your that.
2: podcast. I love <laughs> I love awesome Mikhail. Part. He's my favorite gnome.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> I, so again, so the Kickstarter ends May 31st. What time? Ah, that's a good question, man. It you know, we've been counting down the days. I honestly, this is our first Kickstarter. I assume it's at midnight, but I can well, tell you. Well that you I, said I, I that when you launch, you tell it when you want it to end. So somebody picked a time. It was. I'm it was. sure it was me. <laughs> here we go, here we go. This project will be funded
1: if it reaches its goal by Thursday, June first, twenty seventeen, at eleven forty nine AM. There because you go. Okay. We launched at noon. Uh, 30 days All ago. Right. So, oh, Will it we'll have been 30
0: days So, ago. So since I don't know for sure when this is going to come out, that's that's the countdown clock for anyone listening. June 1st, 1149 a.m., I assume Eastern Time? Yes. For as little as, if I remember correctly, $10, you can get a PDF. Yes. 25 gets you a hard copy. Now, is it a hardback book or is it softbound?
1: Softbound because, frankly, we thought it would be cheesy to have such a, a small, flexible like hardcover.
0: We're like, oh, we don't want it to look chintzy. We don't want it to look funny. And what's your, uh, now we, since you've added all this stuff in, what kind of page count are you looking at? What do you think, Barks?
2: I would, oh geez, um, without putting down any promises, I would say. Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah, the estimates. guess.
2: Yeah, ones. I would say hovering around 60 pages. Uh okay. Somewhere around there. Yeah.
0: Now, if somebody wants to go, um, you mentioned some people are doing play tests, like where can they go to see this in action or maybe maybe people have done reviews? Do you have YouTube channels or streams that people can check out? You said this was going to come
1: out in, in a little while, right? Basically, you know, when we're recording it, we have a little bit of time because one of our next updates, I think we're trying to focus on highlighting all those. Basically making the update, uh, and this is Barker's idea, I think it's brilliant, is taking all the games that people have run and just making the update like, hey, here goes here goes a list. See what all these people did. So maybe, I don't know, Barks, you think this is a, a good reason to actually make that a reality?
2: Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I think the the first thing you'd want to do, especially if you're interested in seeing what people have done, is join the Absolute Tabletop official group on Facebook. That's where people post their games. That's where you'll see like the 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 RPG YouTube channels that a lot of the people in our community run. They uh, they've run those games. People like Nate from WASD twenty. Um, uh we're expecting dungeon master Johnny to be running a game soon. Chris Wilhelm from Drop Dice is, is going to be running games. We just got a lot of people running adventure kit stuff. Uh and so yeah. when you sign up for well I'll I'll pass it to Tim.
1: Well, here here's the thing too. I want to just mention <laughs> there's a really cool dude in the group named Yarl DM, our our buddy Lloyd. He has run I think he holds the record for running the most games using the adventure kit. And he flips to that section that I was talking about called the toolbox. Because in the toolbox, there's a location generator. It's nice and compact, but it's super robust. There's a monster generator. There's a trap generator. There's an NPC generator. It's like, it's loaded. So what he does is he just flips to the back. And I'm actually going to read you a quote from the Kickstarter. Because I think it's probably my favorite quote about it. He basically says here, uh, Lloyd Collins, Jarl DM. He says, "This kit." Oh, of course, I scrolled down. I was doing so well too. <laughs> I hit the button <laughs> on my mouse. Here that's a go. weird quote. Yeah, that's and that's it. Quote. Wait, he actually yarl said, <laughs> <yarl."> <laughs> He says, uh, "He says with just a bit of reskinning, this kit became a gritty Viking game, a Dracula-inspired one-shot, a futuristic exploration of artificial life, and an ancient Egyptian treasure hunt, as well as a cyberpunk heist." <laughs> So he has run all those games just using the toolbox and some of the reskinning of the other pieces of the kit.
0: Uh, Looking at the Kickstarter right now, you have 10 updates currently. So I assume if there's 11th out by the time you're listening to this, that would probably be the one with all the links to all that kind of cool stuff. There's also a lot of other places you can go again, absolutetabletop.com, the Facebook group, Absolute Tabletop. You also have a Tabletop Terrors YouTube page um Is there a lot of crossover between that and this or those kind of separate things
1: i'd say there there's definitely a lot of crossover. you know what it is? The YouTube channel for us is like a side project. We can do whatever we want and just you know do our thing, but it all links back to these are my brothers Barker, Matt, my actual blood brother james it 's like absolute tabletops home, but you know sometimes I visit tabletop terrace.
0: <laughs> okay. So, uh, any, anything that you want me to link into the show notes, just send them to me, whether it's emails, YouTube pages, Twitter handles, whatever, just shoot me all of that. And I'll put all that into the notes. That sounds great. Yeah. Cool. I think
1: if there was anything major, I would say the absolute tabletop Facebook group, welcome. It's a super positive place on the internet. And then if you want to check out our books, absolute com. I think those are the two I'll send you.
0: Awesome. Fantastic. All right. So sort of carte blanche. Is there anything I didn't ask you about that you hoped I would because you've just got something awesome you want to share?
2: Um, No, I don't think so.
0: I'm a pretty good interviewer, so I may have, I may have hit yeah, everything, that but was just it, in man. case.
2: That was it. <laughs> you've had some experience, <laughs> I can tell.
0: Yeah, dude. No,
1: I, I, I think that you did a really good job of asking real questions, and that's what we want. And so, yeah, I I know that when Matt or James listen to this, they're going to be shouting right now. Going,
0: <laughs> You didn't say the thing about the thing. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. And then we'll go oh, yeah. uh, next time. Next time.
2: That's we'll tell them well, you guys didn't show up. <laughs>
1: yeah. All no, right. There you go. I think, you know what? One of the things we didn't mention by name. I think if I had to mention one thing is that we are partnered with heroic maps and they are, they're my favorite map makers uh, as far as RPGs. It's just my style we're partnering with them to do a bunch of modular maps and they're going to be releasing the maps through their drive-thru RPG. Once it's done, if you want to print them full-sized. So I think that's pretty cool. And we didn't talk about that specifically, but they are awesome. Check out heroic maps on drive-thru
0: RPG. Yep. Fantastic. Well, Tim Barker, thank you guys so much for joining me tonight. Congratulations on the success of the Kickstarter. Again, it looks amazing. Clearly, a lot of people think so as well. 802 backers so far, $23, plus thousand dollars Hopefully, we can get that a little bit higher, and then you can use that money for the next cool thing that you want to do.
2: Or the flame-retardant yacht. The
0: flame-retardant Flame Retardant yacht. yacht. You know what? <laughs> I, if you could make that, you could probably sell that, and that oh, would then fund man. your next thing. So genius. There you go. <laughs> awesome. So, for Barker, for Tim, this has been Michael, and we will see you next time.
3: You can email us via podcast at therpgacademy.com and reach us on social media such as Facebook and Google Plus at vrpgacademy.
0: But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co host, The Caleb G, at The Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co host, Michael, at The RPG Academy. Thanks for listening, and as always, if you're having fun,